Amen. Sure, appreciate that song. Take your Bibles this morning. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 10 will be there in just a minute. How many understand this morning that somebody died for you? Aren't you thankful this morning for the cross of Christ? Amen. If you think about it, Jesus did not come as a martyr or a helpless victim. The cross was not an accident or an afterthought. It was in the heart and mind of God from the very beginning. Jesus was born as a man for the cross. I love what John the Baptist said. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In John chapter 8, verses, uh, chapter 8, verses 56, or verse 56, Jesus speaking to the Jews said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. That confused them. How did Abraham see the day of Jesus Christ? Well, centuries before Christ's death there on the cross, Abraham had his son Isaac down there on an altar on top of Mount Moriah, just outside the city, uh, on top of Mount Moriah, getting ready to sacrifice uh, him. And, of course, that lamb was provided, a goat was there, and a ram was taken and offered in place of Isaac. And just outside the city on a hill called Golgotha, the Lamb of God was also being slain for the sins of the world. What a blessing that is. And Jesus could have, uh, at the cross, could have reached out and said, Hey, you priests who are uh, getting ready to sacrifice and kill those lambs on Mount Moriah, you can put away your knives. Your work is over. Uh, My sacrificial death right now on the cross, it is enough. The lamb has died and the debt has been paid. We're looking at the theme, Jesus is better, and it fits along with that this morning. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1, where it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider... Pay attention to, acknowledge, look at, study the apostle, the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And our challenge this month is to take time in our own private worship and in corporate worship and consider Jesus Christ. And what you're going to find out, my friends, is Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Stand with me, Hebrews chapter 10. I'll read just a few verses here, Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to keep your Bibles open this morning there. We're just looking at four verses now, but we'll look at 14 verses here in just a little bit. Verse number 9, Hebrews chapter 10. The writer writes to the inspirational Holy Spirit, Then said he, Lo, I am come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. It is such a different message than I typically preach, and uh, definitely a different style of message uh, than I'm accustomed to. This is more of a teaching lesson than you could say a preaching message. 
And so as we're going someplace, I want to let you know we're eventually going to get there. We're going to get there. But if you'd give me time this morning, would you give the Holy Spirit your heart and mind? And I believe the Holy Spirit of God, at least I'm praying, the Holy Spirit of God would teach a wonderful truth about the sacrifices of the Old Testament and the once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and I on the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us. A love that set your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the sins of this world. A love that was for us, for each one of us. And Father, we pray this morning as we look at your word and as we study scripture, that your Holy Spirit would be free to work in our hearts and minds. That he'd be our invited guest this morning. That your spirit would speak to us. Help us to both learn and be encouraged to be strengthened in the thoughts this morning. God, it's my desire, and I believe your desire, that at the end of the message that your son Jesus Christ will be lifted up and that we will have a greater understanding of the wonderful sacrifice that he made. And Father, that we this morning would understand that Jesus is a better sacrifice. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In your son Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. A little quiz this morning. Don't worry, there's not a right or wrong answer. But I do believe the answer to this helps me this morning at least feel a little bit more comfortable about myself and what I know. How many would say this morning, on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the highest, that your knowledge of tabernacle offerings uh, is, boy, it's right up there at the top. All right, so that's what we're looking at. Your knowledge of tabernacle offerings. The six of them we're gonna talk about this morning. If you could say, oh, this morning, Pastor Frost, I could name all six and I could explain all six in pretty good detail, then you would probably give a seven or eight. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor Frost, I've done extensive study on the offerings there in Leviticus and Numbers, and uh, I could stand and eloquently give, uh, I could give a lecture on it uh, this morning. That would be a 10. And then maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor Frost, was there really Old Testament offerings? And uh, that, would, that, would, that would be down there at the bottom. Maybe is I can name a, a couple of the six, and you'd probably be a, around maybe a two or three. But how many would say this morning, uh, Pastor Frost, in all honesty, I'm a nine or a 10 when it comes to Old Testament sacrifices. Would you slip your hand up, a nine or a 10? Doc, Dr. Tom Williams. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. How many say, I think I might fall in that six, seven, or eight. I could, name, I could name them, and I could tell you a little bit about each one of them. I definitely couldn't teach it, but I'm in that, I don't know, six, six to eight range. Anybody like that? And uh, two or three more put their hand up. You better put your hand. No, just kidding. Uh, two or three more put their hand up. How many say, Pastor, once again, this is honesty. You're in church, all right? Don't lie to the Holy Spirit this morning, Okay. You say, all honesty, I'm probably a three to five, three to five range, and I might be able to name a couple, talk a little bit about it just for a moment, but I, I don't, that's where I'm at. How many say, Pastor Frost, I'm in there? That, that's, 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 quite, that's quite a bit of us, and honestly, before study, I probably fit somewhere uh, in that range. And then how many say, Pastor Frost, listen, no shame, 
all right? No shame, I know I'm a one or a two, and I might even be a zero, but I'm, I'm a one or a two in sacrifices. Look at those hands. That's good for me this morning. That's great for me this morning because this morning's message is not a in-depth study on the six sacrifices of the tabernacle, and you're glad that it's not as well. But it is a flyover, and it is a brief synopsis And as we talk about these just for a moment, and I've got to be very careful about my time this morning, but as we talk about each one of this morning, my goal is for you to know their names and then for you just to briefly understand just one or two things about each one of them. And as we take time to teach and talk about them, as we finish that, we're going to come back to this wonderful passage of Hebrews chapter 10. And you're going to find out that Jesus Christ is a better sacrifice than these Old Testament sacrifices that we're going to talk about. I need some help this morning. And uh, let's see, Brother Tim Smith, would you come? And uh, would you hold this one? This is the first one we're going to look at. There's six basic offerings there at the tabernacle. And this one is which offering? The burnt offering. This is the most common of all the offerings. The main reason for this offering was that of worship. It was a very personal and private offering. Unlike many of the other offerings, the animal would be given to the priest and they would do the majority of the work. The burnt offering was not that way. Yes, the, uh, the priest would deal with the fat and they would sprinkle the blood, but for a burnt offering, the one bringing the sacrifice was the one who would dismember the animal for offering. There's something else interesting about this particular sacrifice is that some of many of the other sacrifices, if not all of them, the excess or the leftovers, or there was stuff that was shared with the priests. That was where they got much of their meat, where they got much of their food. But the burnt sacrifice, unlike the others, was not that way. This was a sacrifice wholly given, completely given to the Lord. They could not take anything from this sacrifice. The only part of the animal that was removed, the hide was taken and the hide was given to the priest, but outside of the hide, every other part of the sacrifice was given directly to the Lord. One thing I want you to know, two things, that this sacrifice, this animal that was brought had to be of the highest quality. The priest would specifically examine this sacrifice to make sure it was without blemish. Why? Because they were taught that if you're going to bring God something, you bring God your best. You bring God your best, and when you're showing worship to him, your best is offered there. And thus, uh, God made it that way that the burnt offering had to be a spotless lamb. It had to be a pure animal. Just as his animal was wholly given to God on the altar, so the offer would wholly give himself to the Lord. This particular sacrifice as the animal is being killed, they, the bringer of the offering would place their hand on the sacrifice. It would be a transfer of, I recognize my sinful state. Not, not necessarily my sin, but I recognize that I am in need of a savior one day. I recognize that I am unrighteous in myself and this animal is becoming my sacrifice as I worship you. It's just an interesting note. One more thing that I wanted to mention is You look particularly at this burnt offering. Many times it would say given unto the Lord or for or before the Lord. Why is that? This sacrifice specifically 
Giving the animal in this way was to show devotion and personal sacrifice and to be called a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord. A sweet-smelling fragrance. So if there's two things that you walk away with the burnt offering, number one is it had to be a pure offering. It was the very best that was given unto the Lord. And the second thing, and God calls it this particular sacrifice, a sweet-smelling fragrance to him. The next two are not presented alone. They are presented along with another sacrifice. The next one being the meat sacrifice. Uh, Brother Ryan Pierman stepped out. He was going to be the, oh, there he is, good. And uh, sitting with some kids and helping, good. And uh, Brother Ryan was going to be the meat sacrifice. Now, how many this morning would say, oh, meat sacrifice, I'm in, I'm in. You'd be surprised there was no meat actually in the meat sacrifice. Bummer, right? What do you mean no meat? No, uh, there was no meat in this particular sacrifice. It was a meal, or it was a form of bread. There was five different forms that they would bring, fine flour, oven-baked cakes, cakes baked in a pan, or cakes baked in more of like a griddle-type frying pan, or crushed roast heads of new grain. These cakes much would resemble to you and I a uh, pizza dough. It, it looked a lot like that if we were trying to find something there for us. And as this was being offered, they would bring it with another sacrifice. It would be given to the priest. The priest would take a portion of the meal, a portion of the cake, and that portion of the cake would be offered unto the Lord. The rest of that cake would be given to the priest uh, as their meal, as something to add on. Uh, Interesting note, it was only the men that could take of this particular offering. Uh, the only meal offering uh, that was not eaten was that presented each morning and evening of the high priest's son. And so yet people would bring in a meal offering, but there was two meal offerings that was offered, one in the morning and one in the evening, that the high priest's son himself would bring before the Lord here as a meat offering. Why this particular offering? Since grain represents the fruit of our labor, the meal offering was one way that the Jewish person would dedicate to God that which God enabled him to produce. It was a way to say thank you. It was a way to thank God for his blessing there. And I want to remind us, the meal offering was not presented alone. It was accompanied with another sacrifice. If there was one uh, characteristic, the burnt offering the fact it's a sweet-smelling savor and it must be the best, it must be something holy that's brought. If there's one thing I want you to know about the meat offering, is that case, it was bread. It, it was a bread offering. All right, the next one was a drink, drink offering, okay? And uh, here we go. Brother Ricky, would you come up real quick and uh, you could take care of me for the drink offering here, okay? Like the meal offering, the meat offering, uh, the drink offering was not brought alone. It must be accompanied with another sacrifice. And you'd also be surprised to know that nobody actually drank of the drink offering. I think we could call it, it was a poor offering. The Bible says there in Leviticus chapter 15, verse number five, the fourth part of a hint of wine would be, which would be about a quart of liquid was taken and as the offerings we presented, they could bring a meat offering with them, they could bring a drink offering with them and as that quart is presented, that quart is poured out there as an offering to the Lord. And that pouring out of the wine or water was a symbol of life 
being poured out in dedication to God. I must hasten. We've got three more. There's the peace offering. I believe that's what I have next. And uh, Kip, would you come up here real quick? We'll get a teenager up here. And uh, Kip is going to be our peace offering this morning. This was quite a bit different than the standard offering. One of the ways it was different, unlike the burnt offering, the peace offering did not have to be a perfect animal without blemish. Uh, you could, it, could have, uh, it could have an issue, it could have a deformity. Not the burnt offering, burnt offering had to be holy, the priest would inspect it. But the peace offering was a little different in the fact that other animals were permitted. You could also bring a female uh, offering uh, here with a female animal there. If the offering was not in fulfillment of the vow, the sacrifice could have some defects and still be accepted. Why was that? Well, unlike all the other offerings that were strictly used for the priest, when somebody brought a peace offering, that offering as it was given, yes, the priest would take a portion of it, but the one bringing the offering would also get a portion of it back to have a feast or a fellowship with their family and those around them. Uh, think about this, in 1 Kings chapter 8, uh, the, Solomon is dedicating the temple and, and don't miss this, 142,000 peace offerings are brought for the nation of Israel. 142,000. And the next two weeks, the people fellowshiped and they had peace with one another. They, uh, they ate around, they communed with one another over this offering. As the priest had completed the sacrifice, a portion of meat would go to him, the rest would be go to the offering family. And since the Jews did not slaughter uh, their precious animals like that, this meat, this dinner of beef or of lamb would be a special occasion to them. The peace offering, however, meant more than the enjoyment of good fellowship uh, with loved ones. It was an also an expression of joyful thanksgiving for the worshiper. The fact that the worshiper was at peace with God, he was at communion with God. The one who brought the offering might be giving thanks for an unexpected blessing that God had sent their way. Or perhaps they had made a vow to God and God had answered that vow and they would bring a peace offering of acknowledgement. Maybe a special prayer was answered. Or maybe the person was just thankful for everything that God was doing in their life and they would bring a peace offering before the Lord. The emphasis was on fellowship. The fellowship of peace offering emphasized the fact for the forgiveness of sins resulted in communion or peace with God. Okay, two more. We're doing great. All right, wonderful. Two more. That was the sin offering and the trespass offering. Ricky Moon, Brother Ricky is going to be the sin offering. Amen? And uh, Brother Ricky, would you come and take that? And then Brother Mike, could I use you real quick? But Mike is going to be the trespass offering here. And would you guys just spread out just a little bit? That way everybody can see there. And how many feel like they're in school just a little bit? And how many maybe have learned something uh, just for a moment? That's better than most Sundays. Amen. Wonderful. Good. All right. The sin offering and the trespass offering. Generally speaking, the trespass offering was for individual sins that affected people and property and for which restitution could be made. The sin offering focused on some violation of the law that was done without deliberate intent. The trespass offering uh, emphasized the damage done to others by the offender, 
while the sin offering emphasized the damage that was done to the offender's guilt before God. So how did somebody know which offering to bring in this particular case? Do I bring a sin offering or do I bring a trespass offering? How do I know which one I'm supposed to present when I've done something wrong? That was for the priest to determine. And so you would come if you felt like maybe you had offended the law or offended somebody or damaged something and you would go before the priest and you would say, I'm here to bring an offering. I don't know if it's a sin offering. I don't know if it's a trespass offering, but this is what's taking place. This is the offering that I believe I need to be made. And the priest would make a judgment on which offering that you needed that day, a sin offering or a trespass offering. Let's take the sin offering first. A common phrase that you read while you're studying the sin offering is this, through ignorance. Through ignorance. The sin was through ignorance. is repeated many times dealing with this offering. It means not that the sinners were ignorant of the law, but that they were ignorant of having violated the law. They had become defiled or disobedient and didn't realize it. And as they realized, or as, as they heard that they were out of line with the commandments and laws of God, they would bring an offering and an acknowledgement, I was ignorant of that, and I need to make things right. How many understand this morning that ignorance doesn't cancel guilt? Ignorance doesn't cancel guilt. Just because you didn't know it. In these cases of the sin offering, they didn't know, but they were still guilty before the Lord. Leviticus chapter 5. Verse number 17, and if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, though he didn't know, yet is he guilty, and he shall bear his iniquity. Once their sin was known, it had to be confessed and dealt with. Thus David in Psalm chapter 19 would say, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Lord, would you acknowledge, would you show me some things that I've, that I've made mistakes? I didn't, even, I didn't even know I did it, but I did it against you, and I want to make sure I'm pure, I'm, I'm right before you. That was the sin offering. The sin offering had to be brought to the Lord. No matter who the sinner was, the higher the sinner's position in society or in the nation, the more expensive the sacrifice. And why did God do that? Well, it taught the greater the privilege the greater the responsibility and also the greater the consequences for sin. If a child sins in the home, it's one thing. If mom and dad sins in a home, there's a different consequence. There's a different trial that it brings upon the family. And God was trying to teach the leaders and the rulers, hey, you have greater privilege, but you also have a greater responsibility to before me. And thus your sacrifice must be greater when you've transgressed. Just like the burnt offering, whatever animal is brought, the offender had to place his hand there, once again acknowledging the fact that this animal was in sacrifice, this animal was being laid down for his personal sins. The animal was slain and the blood presented to God. There's one significant difference about the sin offering, though, between the burnt offering. And I, we have to understand this. The fat, uh, the fat of the sacrifice was burned there on the brazen altar, but the body of the sin offering, the body of this sacrifice, had to be taken outside of the camp. It could not be offered inside the camp, inside the tabernacle. There had to be a separate offering outside of the camp. God was teaching them that the sin of people affect the camp. When sin is present, it affects the family, and in this case, it affects the nation. And so sin must be dealt with outside of the camp. It has to be taken care of. 
burnt offering there inside the tabernacle. Sin offering, the fat is offered, and then uh, the body of the animal is taken and offered outside on wood. The distinction there was between a burnt offering and a sin offering. And it reminded the people that sin would pollute the whole camp, and the sin offering was too holy to remain in an unholy camp. And so it was taken outside the camp and offered there on a pile of wood. The result of sin offering was forgiveness uh, for that which was done. And then the trespass offering. And we'll run over that one briefly. The trespass offering was needed for two kinds of sins. Sins against holy things or special days of the Lord or sins against other people or against their neighbor. If you broke a vow to God, you made a promise to God and you, you broke a vow, you would bring a trespass offering before him. You used something that was holy in a way that it was not intended. You would bring a trespass offering before the Lord. Uh, You made a mistake, uh, an honest mistake. You ate the firstborn of the flock. That firstborn was of the Lord. It was therefore a burnt uh, offering. And so if you did that, this would be a trespass offering in place of that. The trespass offering was also used when someone committed a violation or damaged the property of someone else. The ritual involved them confessing their sin, restoring the property that was involved, adding 20% to whatever the offering was to them, or bringing an equivalent there. They would offer a sacrifice of ram or bring an equivalent of money there to the temple that that animal would be worth. The trespass offering illustrates the fact that it is a very costly thing for people to commit sin and for God to cleanse it. That restitution must be made and forgiveness comes only because of the death of an innocent substitute. We're doing great. Let's just quickly summarize and we'll jump into our passage. The burnt offering, dedication to God without blemish, sweet smelling fragrance. The meat or meal offering, offering of bread, thanksgiving must be accompanied by a blood sacrifice. Drink offering, emphasis on the fact that it was poured out, that it must be accompanied also by a blood sacrifice. Peace offering. An expression of thanksgiving shared with family representing a good standing or communion with God. A sin offering offered for the sins that were committed must be outside the camp. And a trespass offering, breaking a vow or a holy law or violating a law against another, against another person. Restitution must be made and also a sacrifice must be made. And these were commandments. These were laws. The Jewish people were required to offer these. They were required to do this over and over and over again to be right with God or to be in proper standing with the Heavenly Father. Now that we have a brief overview of these six offerings, let's look back at our text. Look there with me at Hebrews chapter 10. We're gonna let the word of God this morning speak for itself. But as we read it, I want you to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying here. Hebrews chapter 10, look there with me at verse number one. Knowing briefly what we know now, verse number one, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those, what's that next word? Those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. Verse number three. But in those sacrifices, 
there's remembrance again made of sins every year. Verse number four. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, he that cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin that was had no pleasure. These six offerings, these six sacrifices, they were just a picture. They were a shadow. They could never make the worshiper perfect. They had to be continually offered. They could never take away sin. And the worshiper, the one bringing, could never have complete assurance that it was enough. And it was never enough. And it would never be enough. Oh, but my friends, Jesus Christ comes into the conversation. Look there with me at verse number seven. Then said I, lo, I come, and the volume of the book it is written for me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I am come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he might establish the second. Verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth ministering daily, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices that could never take away sins. But this man, verse number 12, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made a footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Just a few things about that sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. It was Jesus the one, it was who offered, lo, I am come, he says, to do thy will, O God. It was a one-time offering, verse number 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? Once, once. It was for all people, the next two words, for all. And it was enough. Look there again at verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because it was finished. Because there was nothing else that Jesus Christ needed needed to do. That his death there on the cross, it was enough. It was once for all, forever. It was finished. I can sit down now because I'm done. There's nothing left to do. Verse number 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus is a better sacrifice. In Jesus' sacrifice, we have all we need. You say, Pastor Frost, what about all those other sacrifices that were offered there in the tabernacle? Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Go ahead and give me the burnt, uh, the burnt offering here. Jesus is better than the burnt offering Jesus Christ was also a sacrifice and without blemish. He gave himself in total dedication to the heavenly father. Ephesians chapter five, verse number two says this, his sacrifice was a sweet smelling fragrance before Jehovah God, before the Lord. Uh, Jesus was better than the burnt offering. We have the meat offering. Jesus was better than the meat offering. Jesus was the bread of life. By the way, he was broken on the cross for you and I. Jesus was better than the drink offering. We're told in Psalm chapter 22, verse number 14, 
that on the cross, Jesus was poured out like water. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 12, we're told that he was poured out, that he poured out his soul on the dead, just like the drink offering would be poured. Jesus Christ chose to be poured out for you and I. Jesus was better than the peace offering. On the cross, Jesus Christ purchased our peace. He, pur- he purchased our communion with God the Father, our reconciliation. Because of his shed blood on the Christ, you and I today, if we've placed our faith in Christ, are in fellowship with God. We have peace with him. Amen. Jesus was better than the peace offering. Jesus was better than both the sin and the trespass yes, offering. You say, Pastor Frost, what do you mean he was better than the sin and trespass offering? Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12 tells us this. Wherefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Oh, how many remember the sin offering had to be taken outside of the gate? Jesus Christ was offered on Golgotha, by the way, just outside of the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. The result of the sin offering and trespass offering was that of forgiveness, the result of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was a result of our forgiveness. Even though the sacrifice of animals could not take away sin or change the human heart, the sacrifices, these offerings pointed to the offering that Christ would make. Jesus Christ was and who these offerings were pointed back to. First Peter chapter three, verse number 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 through 12 tell us this, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Who? Who's the him? It proved Jesus Christ. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressions, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And just like that animal, as the sin and trespass offering was being made, the, the bringer of the offering would have to place their hand. Why? Signifying that this right here, this animal right here is taking my punishment. It is his blood that's being shed for me. Jesus Christ there stood on a cross and he was our sacrifice saying, I will take the sins of the entire world. I will place them on me. I will give of myself as a sweet smelling sacrifice. Under God for the sins of the people. My friend, Jesus Christ is a better sacrifice. Uh, The nation of Israel had to offer six different sacrifices in order to try to maintain a right relationship with the Lord. But Jesus Christ offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And if we're willing to place our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal personal Savior, as our sacrifice, he promises to always and forever take our sin debt completely. What an offering. What a sacrifice. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Aren't you glad today that you don't have to bring these offerings before the Lord?
Aren't you glad today that you didn't have to wonder, was it the sin offering or the trespass offering? Aren't you glad each year you don't have to bring a burnt offering to the Lord and a, meal, a meat offering and a drink offering? Aren't you glad that you can have communion with God, you can have peace with him? You don't have to bring a peace offering to the tabernacle to be offered there on the brazen altar. You can, you can have peace and communion with him. Why? Because of the offering, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and I. Maybe you're here this morning and you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as your personal sacrifice for your sins. Ah, without that sacrifice, you and I are in trouble. Without that sacrifice, there's not communion with God. For the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Oh, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you can keep trying to bring offerings before him. You can keep trying to live holy. You can keep trying to give all of yourself. You can keep trying to come to church to make yourself worthy of of heaven. You can keep bringing things to hopefully bring peace and communion before him. But those offerings will never be enough. Because Jesus Christ has already done everything that you and I need.